0: It's Extra Crispy, with me, your host, Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing comic illustrator slash noise musician slash filmmaker Joe Badon. We're going to talk uh, about his new film that he's working on called The God Inside My Ear, as well as creativity and spirituality and how everything comes together in the process. We recorded this conversation live in my kitchen table at Abita Springs. So now for an extra crispy conversation with Joe Badon. All right, well, here today with Joe Badon, who is... Uh, i met joe i don't know four four or five years ago yeah i think so four or five years ago yeah and joe i've been a big fan of your work joe is a uh illustrator of kind of indie comics um noise musician (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh now you're making your your foray into uh filmmaking yeah what the, the god inside my ear
1: yeah that's what it's called yeah
0: what's what's that about I, I, I'm, I'm, the, the title's fascinating Are, can you tell us anything <laughs> yeah absolutely the story?
1: Okay. <laughs> for sure well um, you know I think with first of all with most art that you're trying to be personal about it's really just kind of about your experiences and trying to like sort out all the crap you've been dealing with over years and years or whatever that is and, and most of my art kind of comes if I'm doing art that's not fan art because I do a lot of fan art with my illustrations Um, but any kind of personal art usually comes from a spiritual perspective of some sort, you know? And so this story is about a young girl named Alicia who has uh, a terrible breakup with her boyfriend who of many, many years. Um, and the boyfriend runs off to an, to a cult, um, like just some weird, you know, like conspiracy cult sort of weird thing. And, um, And then after that, because of that breakup, she starts having, or not well, yeah, kind of because of that breakup, she starts having visions, and she starts having weird dreams, and and hearing voices, and all sorts of weird shit starts happening, and she kind of like is trying to decipher what it all means, and um, she runs into this church, this like old-style Catholic church that is like calling her, and... Like literally, like calling her name, and she's hearing voices from this church, and and uh, she's feeling drawn to it, and so she's just trying to. Def- the whole movie, she's trying to decipher what all this means, while she's having like very horrific um, encounters w- with spiritual beings and um, and and psychedelic visions and things. And she's also having very like beautiful encounters. And so there's kind of like that going back and forth, um, between like good and evil, like tugging at, at you. Yeah. You know, so Sorry, I'm getting, uh, that's okay. Getting a little weird static thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, obviously you said this, this kind of draws from your own experience. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, I, I know a little bit of your story. You you were a youth pastor was, for yeah. fifteen years, and then you kind of twelve made the years. Oh, twelve yeah, years. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> after Close after enough. ten, it's uh, right. It's all the same. And so you you made this transition. Actually, you're one of the few artists that I know that's actually made the transition from like just a side gig to actually mm-hmm. this is this is your thing. Like, you're, yeah, I I know a professional artist, not yeah. just like a, a guy with a <laughs> hobby that right. you know tries to sell a few things. Um, but what was, tell us a little bit about that, the, the, the yeah. story about, you know,
1: church and kind of how you ended up in this place. Yeah, well, you know, I think my whole life I've had, like, the drawing towards, I think most people have a drawing towards God of some sort, you know. And um, back in the 90s, playing, I was playing music in a band. guess i'll go through the whole story um playing music with a band and the the lead singer got saved but he didn't leave the band and he started like preaching to all of us and then like my wife well my wife my girlfriend at the time what kind of band was it by the way it was like uh noise punk jazz fusion okay sort of thing yeah (laughs) listen to a lot of uh japanese noise bands And a lot of uh, Mr. Bungle, which I don't even know what a Japanese noise band is. I do know Mr. Bungle. Yeah, I had a Mr. Bungle album. Yeah, Naked City. uh, A lot of like New York jazz noise back in the '90s that was like really big. John Zorn was a big. uh, He produced a Mr. Bungle album, but he just like anything that was jazz noise, punk was coming out of him. You know, Um, yeah. Google Boredoms. That's like my favorite band of all time. That band. Google Boredoms? Yeah. Yeah. Search for Boredoms, right? And that band, Boredoms, is Okay. Like, okay. You're, okay I, yeah. So the band's not the Google band, Boredoms. The, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. You know, it. Uh, Boredoms is like one of the coolest bands ever, but uh, they were a huge influence. But uh, just weird Japanese noise. Yeah. So, yeah. Can't explain it any other way. Um, so the lead singer of my band got saved. My, soon-to-be wife got saved her sister got saved her best friend got saved we were like everyone around me was getting saved i felt like i was trapped like i was like oh shit this is gonna happen it's your turn you know? joe it's my turn <laughs> exactly i was feeling the pull too i was feeling yeah. very convicted and very uh like drawn towards spiritual things and and so um one day I just decided, I felt like God told me it was either him or the band. And so I quit the band, and I just decided I was we were going to find a church, me and my, my soon-to-be wife, we are going to find a church together, and we were going to start following God. And so we found a church in Slidell, where I live, where we live, and uh, started going, and we just, I'm somebody who just dives deep into whatever. Yeah. Like, I I jump without thinking. And so I just jumped in without really any sort of uh common sense probably. And uh and just and just dove in full time. I just I we were like dirt poor at the time and it was like I wasn't gonna you get You weren't it. a rich artist like you are now. <laughs> I wasn't a rich anyway. Remember those days <laughs> <laughs> and um I gave up playing music, I gave up doing art. I felt like all that was evil because it was what, who I was. I felt like whoever I was before I got saved was, was a, was an evil thing. And so I needed to stop doing those things. So I like became the total opposite of everything I ever wanted to be. And, um, I started, you know, like, like clean cut, like, you know, Johnny at church sort of, Sort of person that. Do you have any pictures of Clean oh, Cut Joe somewhere? And they're so embarrassing. Oh, that's so horrible. It's need, so scary. I, I need one of those pictures. <laughs> yeah. to Put up on the website. You <laughs> we'll know, find, the find website. it. <laughs> I will find it. Yes, it'll be so so sad. Um, and um, about three years in, I like became the the youth pastor. Two or three years in, I started. I became the youth pastor full time, although I wasn't getting paid. You know, just like doing it all the time. If I had a job that conflicted with with church schedule, I quit the job. Yeah, you know, like that's what you do. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what church tells you to do. And so because of that we were dirt poor, yeah. you know. And now, how um, old were you at this point when you came to youth pastor? Um, twenty three. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere around there, something like that. Maybe younger, maybe twenty two. It was twenty two. Anyway. And so we did that for about twelve years, and give or take, but I think about twelve years and um you know, I proselytized and preached and evangelized and did the whole thing, went to Brownsville, you know, and yeah. went went to any revival services i could and and did the whole holy roller you know thing which, you know, for better or worse, there's some good things about it, I think, still. But there's lots of bad, weird things, too, you know, with any experience, really. Um, So, um, and then I just realized one day that this was not healthy. This was, there was a lot of control. There was a lot of, like, once, I think, like, once I realized (laughs) that I probably shared more things in common with, with a cult movement, and with, like, just the love of Jesus, like, I was like, Oh, this is not good at all, you know. And so, I slowly backed out because even at the time, I was like, I'm not gonna leave anybody hanging. So, you know, I made sure that you know, need to make sure that the cult still goes on, <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous absence. to think about <laughs> yeah. now that I should have just left, you yeah. know. But I was still like, Oh, I still care for these people, these people yeah. at this point. Everybody in the church were was my family. That's you know I had disconnected with my family so much that <clears throat> those people were all of our friends, yeah, all of our family. That made it like so much harder to leave, and took us a long time to leave until uh, we just couldn't do it anymore. You know, so.
0: I think I think that's one of the things that if you've not been in religion, I think it's very hard for somebody. Kind of on the outside to yeah. understand that you know when I listen to like Leah Remini or yes exactly um, yeah. you know even the Megan Phelps from the mm. uh, Westboro Baptist just heard a fascinating interview with her on Joe Rogan the other day, but I think it's it's hard for people kind of outside of that to realize like there is a depth of community and stuff that yeah that is. Big time, big time, and it, and it, it it's it's it really is your whole world. Yeah, it's your totally. political beliefs, it's your stances on issues. It's the it's 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 very tight, and and it, it is hard to walk away. And it's not it just is. you know because you know some people think why, why would some person stay in a cult? It's like an abusive relationship. Well, yeah, but there there is this
1: other thing in there, and yeah, um, yeah. Well, and also, it's funny. Because you think these people are so stupid. Like, you can you aren't you? Don't you have a brain? Don't you like see how like this obviously is either false teaching or false doctrine or or just plain just stupid, you yeah. know? Like, but you know, um, at this point in my life, I've sur- surrounded myself not on purpose, but surrounded myself with like the millennial generation. Yeah, because I work out at art markets and I do a lot of that sort of, sort. Of, I s- hang around a lot of young artists, and I'm they're just the same. Like yeah. they will f- blindly follow anything, and um, for better or worse. Yeah. But when you're like in your early twenties, you are you want a father figure oh, totally. or a mother figure. It's this idea that I've I think I've figured out that. You've just left the nest, you've just left your parents. But you're you're scared shitless. Yeah. And so you want a parent still. And so you look around for somebody who will take your hand and yeah. lead you around. Show you the way. And then like realizing that with church, that's who we aimed for. We that's what church like at, at least when I was, you know, evangelizing, that was your demographic. Yeah because you you didn't think this but now stepping back and realizing it like they needed a father they're looking for a father and i think the thing it's funny too because now uh working at the art market i'm i I do a a lot of i sell a lot of art in new orleans at in uh, art markets in new orleans meeting all these millennials and um I've had times where they <coughs> look to me as like a as a father. <laughs> and not all the time yeah. at all, but I've had a couple times there's plenty that don't even like, want anything to do with me. Right. So and that's fine too as as well, but people are looking for people like 10 years older than them. Um and what I've as much as possible have tried if that has happened to me i've tried to tell them don't even don't even you usually have the answers anyway right you know like don't ask me to like don't ask me to be a mentor or yeah. anything <laughs> you don't need i think mentors are dangerous yeah because it many times becomes a controlling relationship and there's i mean jesus said if you want to if you want to be the master, then you've got to be the servant of yeah. all. And that is just not what happens with mentor right. relationships. They yeah. should be, because should be. he yeah. rea- obviously realizes that it becomes a controlling relationship, and he wants, you know, the master has to serve so that there's not that controlling relationship. You know what I mean? But um, but that's not the way it works most of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I look at my own life, and and there have been mentors. I mean, still to this day, there's yep. there's people that Um, but, but I I can say that I think the people that made the most difference in my life were really those kind of people who, it it was not a matter of like, like, let me show you how it's done. They, they were, they were a sounding board. They were somebody who offered a voice of wisdom to have you, have you thought about this, you know? And, and, you know, help me ask questions, help me reflect on my own life because yeah, I think, I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like, like the answers, you got the answer within you. Yeah. You just don't know how to find it. Totally. Um, and yeah you you do become susceptible to cuz you know i having experienced some of that myself you know yeah. you, you, you out of you're, you're genuinely looking for somebody to help you and then they just kind of plug you into their right thing. and it's
1: all well intentioned yeah yeah it all is because you know the the pastors are like in what i did as well being a pastor um, you just want to help people, mm-hmm. and so it becomes this like unhealthy symbiotic relationship. They want to follow, and you want to help them, and then you end up like wanting to like help them in every little area of their lives, and so it just instantly becomes controlling just because of the nature of what you're trying to do. I think it like it's the idea that I think you're just supposed to show people like like what Paul said follow me as I follow Christ yeah. and that's that's it like he's not trying to like push people right he's just like I'm going this direction if you want to go behind me that's fine and then you know yeah. you can pick things up along the way you know and I think that's a different relationship than we see with most churches you know yeah
0: So you, you found yourself 12 years into being a youth pastor. Yeah. You're, you're 15 starting years at the church. 15 too. years yeah. at the church. So you've given decade and a half of your yeah. life to this thing. You start having some big reservations. You start seeing kind of the downside, yeah. how the sausage
1: is made. Yeah, for sure. Um, My wife saw it like probably six or seven years before I did. Really? Yeah, wow. She was like done for years. <clears throat> but I'm a very stubborn, stubborn person. And so I didn't, I didn't give up for a long time, but, um, yeah. And so I, was
0: there like one moment where y'all had a conversation, like you get home from church and like, that's it, we're not going back or
1: what was I, like the, the threshold for you? The, I don't know if there, there was like multiple straws, you know, there was like some racist comments from the pulpit that was like, Oh no, you know what I'm saying? That was like some big things. Also, seeing, like, nepotism was, like, a huge thing. And there's nepotism everywhere. I mean, it's, like, just unavoidable. But with church, it's supposed to... I always looked at church, supposed to be opposite the way, like, the world does it. You know, so, you know, you would see somebody just busting their ass for 10 years, for a freaking decade. And then it was like, oh, no, we want our son to do it. You know, just like, okay. You know, that was, like a really big part of it as well. Um, and just, like, yeah, all the backdoor stuff. It just all kind of, like, accumulated until... I don't know if there was, like, necessarily a defining moment. I just, like, ran out of steam. Yeah. Like, I can't, can't do it. I can't do it anymore, you know? But it was just everything, you know? And then getting out of that, it was like, oh, my... I, it was funny cuz i didn't we didn't leave for a long time cuz i kept telling my wife Tanya, like it doesn't matter where we go it's going to be the same right, no yeah. matter where we go and then just kind of like going around to different churches in your church as well mm-hmm. it was like oh these are normal people that are not like they're not totally crazy and not these are like these are you you know you were preaching things so i was not hearing I had not heard that the things that were in my head mm-hmm. that were I was not hearing from any pulpits. Yeah. And that was like was huge as well. Just to be like, oh, if people have normal ideas out there that are still Christians. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And so yeah, no. I'm just I'm glad I got
0: away from it all. It's it's so so, as youth pastor was like a, a paying job. That was like your it for, did become so a paying a p- job professional for professional Christian. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: For about like seven years, so I was paying, paying. Yeah, what was that like? So, so was the the art kind
0: of develop was Was the art always kind of something you did on the side? Start, it...
1: Yeah, I kind of started. Well, I started playing music again with the band and yeah. started writing songs. We would uh, for the band the worship team i should say and um and started doing art there because they you know they'll use you know churches will use you like oh you have a talent we're going to use you and uh (laughs) um for better or worse (laughs) um and but it did help me like start doing art again and i felt like okay with it you know and so i started like you know playing around with art and playing around with music and 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 even, like, doing, like, videos for the church, just, I, you know, like, being creative, you just want to get your creative wiggles yeah. no matter what, and so probably about a year before I finally quit uh, being the youth pastor, because I think I quit before I actually left, like, I still was a church member for another six months or something, but a year before I finally quit being a youth pastor... I started... I drew a portfolio. I put it online. And I started getting uh, little side gigs here and there. And the church was very, like, helpful. You know, like, um, one of the church members bought me uh, a MacBook and bought me a drawing tablet. And, um, and, we'll, and one of the reasons why they were so helpful was... I mean, they... they one reason was because i had been there for 15 years of course and they yeah. you know there were it was family but also because it was getting to the place where we were they couldn't afford to keep me on staff oh. so they felt i think like oh we need to help this guy you know as much as we can so, like at least get him some sort of job again and so um so they got me a macbook they got me a a a tablet, drawing tablet, and all of saying all this makes it sound like, oh, they couldn't afford me, so I left the church, yeah, <laughs> which, <yeah. laughs> which I know how that sounds. Yeah. Like, if anyone's listening, they would be like, oh, this guy just left because there was no more money. Don't worry. Nobody's listening. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, and I can understand why people would think that. Um, but believe me, I was fried. Yeah. I was totally fried. But anyway, so... Druid portfolio put it online started getting um, small gigs here and there and kind of developed over the year that i transitioned out of being a youth pastor like was transitioning into being an artist full-time and that meant free freelance artists where i'd work from home yeah. and get jobs off of basically online just off of like craigslist and facebook mm-hmm. and uh, deviant art was another place where you put art and, oh yeah like any place that I could put up like hey I'm an artist and you want to hire me then hire me and I pretty much draw anything as long as it didn't <laughs> it wasn't like sex or something yeah. you know I yeah. pretty much draw whatever anybody asked me just so I could pay my bills yeah and so so we did that and of course I under uh, underpaid myself at first you know like and so we we struggled for about the first three years I think the first year I made $11,000 wow which was crazy but you know I have a very supportive family my, my sister and my mom and my dad and, and my whole family like always helped us out any any way they could and uh, I mean I could say that I want to be an air you know uh, fighter pilot and they'd be like alright let's help you out you know I mean a <laughs> uh, very supportive family helps a lot were they were they like happy when you walked away from the church? Oh, they were crying, so happy! Oh wow, they wow. were that happy. Now they're all Catholic, and so but it wasn't even that. They just they just knew it wasn't healthy, you know. Like everybody around us, once we left, everybody around us was like, "Yes, you should have left we're years so and years." <laughs> yeah, we we none of us liked it, but you know, but that was another thing. There was so supportive they wouldn't tell us if it was, tell if they didn't like it or not, you know? And so they were very happy when, when we left. So, um, so over the next, after leaving the church over the next, like probably four or five years, it took that long to kind of get our sea legs with doing the freelance art until we got to the place where we could like have a living wage. It probably took three years to get to the place where we could actually do this without any other help and, And, um, but that's, you know, that's just the way you, when you start a business, that's the way it is, you know what I mean? And, um, and I did decide to do art before I, before I looked into launching any career, I said, well, I would love to do, I could, I, I love to do art. I love to do music and I would love to do film. And so I went, well, what has the less, least overhead? Yeah. Yeah. And that I could start right away. And art was that. Especially if I did most of my art on the computer, I didn't have to buy supplies, I could just draw it on the computer. And so besides the initial getting a computer, which was provided for me, which was uh, such a blessing uh, from the church. Besides that, like, I could just do it there, and I didn't have to, like, buy supplies all the time. You know, if you're doing music, you know how much money that can be. It can be crazy.
0: As much money as you want to spend.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And another thing with art was I didn't have to travel, so there was no travel expenses. I could do it all from home. So I was trying to be, like, as reasonable and commonsensical about it as I could, which I know is not a word, but commonsensical about it as I could. So... Um, so I started doing art and, um, did, so did that, I'm still doing that. So it's, that was about nine years ago. Yeah. You know, where I was doing it, started doing it full time. And now I've kind of transitioned out of freelance art because I got super burned out doing that. I was doing, I was working like 60 hours a week doing 60, 70, 80 hours a week, whatever, you know, uh, Drawing comics and children's books and storyboards for movies and cover, album covers and anything, t-shirt designs, anything anybody would pay me for, and uh, and it was always like, when's the next job coming? And like you know, always trying to line things up yeah. and always overbooking yourself because it's the only way that you could sure. keep you know money flowing in. And then um, I was standing in line at Snowblizz in. A snowball stand, Hanson Snowbliz. You know what I'm talking about in New Orleans. Never had a Hanson snowball.
0: Think a, you know, I'm not like a huge like snowball guy. But Me, I hate snowballs. <laughs>
1: but that snowball, you uh, need to eat it. Okay. Well, I'm going to be
0: down in New Orleans tomorrow. But maybe I'll. You,
1: it's a it's a snowball that you will wait in 45 minute line for. Really? That's how good that snowball it will is. It Change my life. It will change. You will cry. <laughs> I don't eat any other snowballs besides this. What's snowball. so good about it? The ice is like snow. Uh-huh. And it's all like cream, um, you know, uh, what syrups. It's all cream syrups. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the creamiest ice cream you'd ever eat, and put in your mouth. Getting it's hungry now. Freaking, um, <laughs> a work of art. So, so you was, had an epiphany at a so snowball stand. I'm standing in line, <laughs> and behind me was this guy with his daughter, and we start talking, and he says he makes T-shirts. So I started talking, and he sells at the art markets out in New Orleans. And so, like, I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool. I'd love to start doing that." So he gives me the information, and I uh, apply to start doing the art markets. Start doing the art markets, and realize, oh, I can make like three or four times as m- more money than I'm doing yeah. freelance work. Wow! So, uh, so I pretty much like took about a year to get to to, to get rid of all the freelance jobs I had while I transitioned out of the freelance work and doing uh, art markets. And so now, that was about two years ago, so now um, I just do art markets and just sell my art and just draw whatever I want, you know, and here I am. Wow.
0: to so so writing a script and oh yeah all that stuff i mean that well do you know anything about movies or is you you just kind of figuring it out as you go along i
1: totally figuring out as i go along <laughs> but um um i've always wanted to do film yeah i went to college i went to uno to study film i stayed there for a semester and said i do not want to do this <laughs> not because i didn't want to do film but because I wasn't going to start doing film for like two years, I was going to have to do all these prerequisites, yeah. just normal college shit. Yeah. It's like, really? Like, I don't. <laughs> like, I do not need to know any of this if I want to do right. film at all. Like, where does algebra fit in
0: this? None of it fits in. <laughs> none of it
1: fits in, <laughs> especially now that I know I've read enough scripts yeah. to know that those guys can't even, like, spell like their own names. Like, these guys are. <laughs> They're idiots that are making films, but anyway, um, I love them, I love you guys, but you're idiots, so, um, what was I saying, so, about a year ago, maybe a little more, a little less than a year ago, uh, I just was getting bored, because I went from working, like, 60 to 80 hours a week, to working, like, three to four days a week, in like, like, I didn't have to work anymore. It was like, we... If I worked more, I just was... It was, like, too much. So, it was, like, four days a week. I was working and three days off. And uh, I was just getting very creatively antsy. Yeah, You know, very antsy. Um, And so, I started getting depressed. Like, super depressed. And trying to figure out why I was getting so depressed. I couldn't put my finger on it. Until I finally realized I was, like... Of uh, being an artist... You always have to have a project, yeah. And just to feel, I don't like. I need a project if so I don't. I'm doing a podcast, I think. yeah. <laughs> well, it's serious. I yeah. did. A, I did a podcast for a while, just Esoteric because, Buffet, huh? Yeah, I yeah. did that for a little while, and uh, which I probably should still be making them. But that—that's the thing too. It's like you. All, for me, I always need to be making. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, and so doing art at the art markets. I mean, I was making art, but. For me, art, making these art prints is what I do. I do, like, pop culture art prints. I don't know. One piece of art is cool, but there's kind of a meaning, for me, kind of meaninglessness for me. I always need art to tell a story. Yeah. I always need art to, like, be some sort, have some sort of function than just hanging on a wall. Right. And so um, as much as I liked drawing a picture of you know Star Wars or some shit. I love your uh Darth Hendrix. <laughs> yeah that's right I need to bring it back I haven't been selling it lately but uh, I need to bring it back out that yeah, is for one of those for Christmas so. <laughs> yeah. um they, I just got bored oh, we got bored with it I still do them but I, I you know there's just like I want to tell a story yeah you know and I could do another comic but I had been drawing comics for the last almost decade yeah and i I just i almost like have an aversion to even picking up a comic book right now because i've done it drawn so many sequential art pages that uh i just want to jump out a window so i was like i need to do something different and i've always wanted to make movies and so after like like talking to my wife about it for forever. She was just finally like, you need to do, you need to make a movie because you're driving me crazy <laughs> because you're so depressed <laughs> and you're so mopey. <laughs> you you need to make this movie. And so I wrote a script and, uh, I just realized it was too short and it was my, I wrote, wrote two scripts. First script was this on a, on like a deserted planet and it was this, this um uh like stranded astronaut and it was mainly a one character play sort of thing and we would have had to dri- driven out to these white sands in texas it was the closest place i could find Did, then you realize, like there's already a movie called the martian yeah no no nothing like that <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> exactly no and um i just was like oh, i I don't want to travel this much just to make this movie. Yeah. And so I wrote a second script and based it around the stuff that I could do here. Yeah. And um, so I wrote the script and went through about three revisions and um, start and just got all the actors I could get together and, you know, all the locations I got together and just now I'm here. Now I'm filming and in two days. We start filming. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Start filming Wednesday. Exciting. And your daughter's gonna be in it too. Yeah. So. My daughter's gonna be yeah. a famous actress. This is where <laughs> when they do the interviews down right. the road to be like, this was the part. Joe gave me my big break. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's gonna be singing more than acting. Yeah, but yeah. So but so
0: what what would you say as far as your art? Um, I mean, I can hear some of this coming out. What is the what is important to you, kind of philosophically, or the you know, kind of the values that undergird
1: the things that you do? Like, what what is? It's. I think that's changed. Before I was always, when I was making art, ten years ago, say when I was like starting to really do it a lot. Um, again, because, you know. I, like, stopped doing art for a while and started back up. And I really, about 10 years ago, like, doing the freelance art full-time, started started really getting into it again. And I think that at first, with my own personal art, I was always trying to preach a message. Yeah. You know, that's what I was trying to do all the time, preach a message, preach a message. Then I noticed that my ideals were constantly changing. So I might be... (laughs) I might create a piece of art last year that had a message and then the next year realize, I don't know if I totally agree with that message anymore. (laughs) Yep. And I know that sounds really flaky, but I'm like a finite, stupid human. And that I've realized, one thing that I've realized with churches is that when we like are unflaky, when we're like, you know, sticking to our values, we become very rigid. Yeah and um and then god can't teach us yeah and so i'm trying to be as as much as as fluid as possible as much like water as i can just and not to where i I change my opinion every time i have a conversation with someone kind of bullshit but more like i know that i don't know anything anymore yeah you know especially getting out out of church and realizing i don't think I don't know if i hold any answers yeah. to anything and so what
0: does faith look like for you at this point like uh where where do you i mean having kind of yeah. obviously shedded a lot of the stuff from the the Christian church that you were at sure um but i notice i, I notice still you know almost every day on Facebook you post a scripture sure, and, and I'm sure it's it's kind of an interesting thing for probably a lot of people that that yeah. follow you that like you know. Yeah. So 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 where do you where is faith? Where's the Bible? Like, what do you for not knowing anything? You know, are you, you, do you feel like a
1: agnostic now, or or just? I, I feel like the preacher from uh, Ecclesiastes. Oh, ah, yeah. And I think that Ecclesiastes is the most honest book of the Bible. Yeah. And I think that the church is scared of that book. They usually try not even sure, like yeah. to talk about it very much. Because it's like a place of like, oh none of this really means anything and I don't even know what I believe. Yeah. And that's like an amazing place to be in. I think it's the only place that you can have true revelation oh, yeah. of who who God is or what what God is for you is a place of like of uncertainty and um you know, a place of bendability and and, uh, I think that's where we should always try to stay in, you know? And so I think I try to live by like that book of Ecclesiastes and then just try to be good to people, yeah, you know, as much as possible. And that's something that you have to, it's not, that's the thing. I hear people say that all the time, but they're like shitheads. Yeah. You know, these people are terrible people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just something you always have to revisit is am I really like being good to my neighbor? Am I really loving my neighbor as myself? Yeah. You know. I think when Jesus said, Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and that's it. Like pretty much like everything else falls if you do those two things, you do you take care of all the law. I think he really meant it. And and if we add anything to that it really becomes too top heavy and it falls over. Yeah. And um and we become rigid and, and unteachable. And so tr- I try as much as I can to stay in that in that place, but there's no way you can always stay in that place. Right. Yeah. But uh so I don't know anything anymore. I know that I think that was the big I I think the big revelation that Jesus came on the earth to make was hey love your neighbor as yourself all this other stuff is pretty much meaningless without that yeah and the the temple the church leaders or religious leaders like that basically meant to them like you are destroying ev- everything we built up like these people don't have to go to temple these people don't have to like follow us these people don't have to abide by any rules if you're telling them just to be good to one another like, and so that's like the big revelation, I think, is like the unspiritual revelations. Yeah. You know? I th- I think it's interesting that it, it occurred to me a
0: while back that, you know, like living in a culture like the first century Jewish people that right. that they're... Um, like, like, that was more of a society of oral traditions. It wasn't like... Most people didn't know how to read. And so, but they were very attuned to hearing things, you know? So it's like, you know, probably they could process stuff kind of auditorially a lot better than we can. And really, when you look at the basic teachings of Jesus, love God, love people, Sermon on the Mount, I mean, even the parables, like you could, you could spend an hour with Jesus and know what he was all about and and then spend the rest of your life trying to live those things out. That's it. And, And really, it does seem like in a sense when Jesus makes that statement, you know, um, this is law and the prophets. Love God, love people. Like it really does feel like he's deconstructing it all. Like
1: this no, is he's pulling the rug out. Yeah, yeah. And
0: and it it is kind of ironic because people seem to assume that Jesus came to start a religion, but yeah, I, I really it doesn't appear that Jesus thought that. It, like I, there's right. never you know it's it's kind of an interesting thing to me too. I mean I'm just thinking out loud here, but that. You never see like Jesus in the Gospels going, "Is somebody writing this down?" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's true. You know, like Jesus, yes, Jesus did very true. Didn't ask anybody to write it down. Jeez, he didn't yeah. write anything down himself. Yeah, because I just wonder if some point, like he, he. he wasn't trying to get a Bible written or scripture. No. He was really trying it's to actually simple. free people up yes. to, like there's exactly. really just a couple of
1: things. Exactly. And they're they're so simple, but yet they will take the rest of your life. Exactly. To show up to do And also like, I think what we get stuck on is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, which are amazing yeah. things. Uh, yeah. And the cross and all this stuff. But I think... But the idea is, is that if Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world, and if this is a spiritual thing, then this isn't even anything we should even be worried about. All right. It's like, if we love God and love our neighbors, it's not like, oh, oh you didn't accept Jesus' blood over your life? Yeah. Oh, you didn't go on your knees and go up to an altar? Like, none of that matters at all. At all. Mm. Um like God's, God's blood's way stronger than that. It, it, God's sacrifice, or His sacrifice, I should say, is way. It's it's not even something you should, you have to even have knowledge of. Right. If you just say
0: it's a transcendent truth. That's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's like the, gravity or something. Like it. It's exactly. Already, it's already.
1: Yeah. It's already done. That's yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's already done, and so our job is to. Love Jesus and other people, essentially. Yeah, wow. You know, that's it. people interested in my story yeah and and want to talk about it and so many people that that do believe in God to some degree or another and then if I'm not confrontational with them they'll open up yeah and it's amazing and I've seen so many I've seen so many wonderful people that have all these Christ-like characteristics that don't believe in Christ yeah you know and I've seen terrible people out there of course yeah. You know, as well, but for the most part they're really beautiful people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that like hold the same held, hold a lot of Christian ideals, a lot. Like feeding the poor and loving your neighbor. Yeah. And, and uh you know, taking care of of the orphan and the widow and all those things that that are so, that the that are the important things. They care about them just as much or more than yeah, than anybody I met in church.
0: Well, I like that thing you said. Lo- you know, learning to love Jesus and other people because I, I think that's that's a f- that's a profound statement. Because yeah. you know, just the idea that God isn't in this little box over yeah. on Fourth Street that you know we show up to. Each that's week, right. Yeah. Um, but like, like God is everywhere. Yeah. And so, keeping your eyes open for God wherever that is, like yeah. th- that's a that's a transforming thing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that that kind of idea takes both of what Jesus said, loving God, loving your others, it just puts just it together, medicine. which yeah. is what it is anyway. Yeah. It's just all one anyway. Because he said that, that those two are one and the same, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's really simple. It's really simple. And if we've complicated it all, then we've lost sight of yeah. what, what it's about. You know? Um, So... I think with, with my art now, going back to what I was saying, my art 10 years ago was trying to always preach a message. And now, you know, I've been really, in, been really, really into um, psychedelic and surreal um, filmmakers more than artists, but also artists as well. And I love the idea of guys like Jodawotsky and David Lynch and guys like that Tarkovsky, Andre Tarkovsky, are mainly filmmakers, but um they don't have any hidden agenda or any real message. All they're trying to do is get is get whatever comes. It's almost like having a dream, basically, is what they're yeah. trying to do. Is they're having that, trying to have a waking dream. And so um, that's what I've been trying to do with my art lately. I've been doing, like, f- with my visual art, been doing, like, collage work lately. And with my collage pieces, I've been trying not to have any set idea of what I want to do with it. But just kind of wherever it flows, wherever it goes, mm-hmm. I want to create it and then in the end i'll finish a piece and realize that there's some sort of message here yeah that came out of me that i didn't even realize and i this is what i'm also trying to do uh, when i wrote the script for this film god inside my ear was i had a basic skeleton idea of what i wanted to do with the story but then when i wrote it i just wanted i tried to make it flow as much as possible with whatever whatever the next idea was, that's what I wrote down. Whatever the next idea after that was, that's what I wrote down. And that's what I've been trying to do with my art, my music, my storytelling, anything that I'm doing creatively. I'm trying to just like, okay, I took one step and I'm just whatever naturally the next step is, no matter how goofy or weird or normal or uninteresting or interesting it is, I just want to follow this path naturally. And I, that's what I'm trying to do, like, uh, philosophically and spiritually and personally, and also even in my career and everything. I'm trying to get to where uh, creatively and and uh, normally, like in normal life, everything I'm doing, I'm trying to be just going with the flow yeah, as much as possible. You know, I think, you know, you hear, what's it called, follow your... Uh, follow bliss. your bliss yes. which i yeah. honestly hate that term yeah. so much i want to throw people out of the window um but it's the but at the same time i think i can i can co-opt it in a way in in this idea where just kind of following where the next where i should go just naturally because going to being in church in ministry, I saw so many times where you would have a word from the Lord mm-hmm. or you would have a dream from God or you would like feel like, oh, God spoke to me. And you would live the next 10 years like, oh, no, I had this dream 10 years ago and I'm supposed to go this direction. Mm-hmm. And you have all these opportunities happening around you. You're like, oh, no, I can't take those opportunities. Right, yeah. I've got to go in this direction because mm-hmm. this is what I'm supposed to do. And you're just beating your head against a wall. Yeah, and and it's it's so presumptuous of us to think that we actually know God's will. Yeah, it's so presumptuous. And More I,
0: presumptuous to think that if it's God's will, it's 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 like going to be up to us to figure it out and yes. make it happen. <laughs> well, and
1: and also like finally reading the Bible and going, okay, the only people that like it was. Um, There was a there was like a true path, first of all. um, there was not many. Right. Like you're talking about this is a a book written over thousands of years and you have I don't know, hundred people out of like billions of people that had burning bush experiences. Yeah. And so I've never had a burning bush experience. Oh sure, yeah. I might have had a dream one time. I might have had like someone lay hands on me or someone speak to me that knew things that they didn't know who I was. But I never walked outside my house and there was a bush on fire <laughs> speaking to me. Right. I never had walked out to the ocean and the ocean split in half. Right. I never saw, you know, a a roll in the sky that unrolled and there was like all living creatures and it was like a freaking UFO experience. I've never had anything like that. Now, if that did happen, I might be like, I like that shit was real, man. I'm going to start a cult now. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But never. Right. And so the thing is that most of us have never. Like, that's really like a one in a million. Every once in a while, someone has these like literal yeah visitations where literally god walks in the room literally like they're having some freaky real shit happen but for the most part we've have tickles we have we have things that are vague experiences and those are all good yeah but we so many times will live our entire lives off these vague experiences yeah Thinking that we as finite idiot human beings like have our ear on God's mouth, yeah, like give me a break. I think the best thing we can do is float down the stream and God will push us in the direction, right? Yeah, you know, it's and so I'm trying to float down I, the stream.
0: I think I, I read something from his, this guy, um, Pete, Peter Enns, who he's like an old Testament scholar, but I, I kind of like what he said. He's like, if, if I could advocate for something, it's that we would remove the word faith from our vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, he's like, you know, really what we translate as faith, um, really it's, it's trust. And when you think of right. something in trust, cause like, like kind of what I yeah. hear you saying, it's, it's more like living in trust, right? You know, whereas faith, for me kind of in kind of same experience, you know, charismatic church, faith was this thing, like you got to stir up and you got to, you know, like you got to work it up and you, yep. you, you, you know, it's like, it, it's all coming down on like, am I really believing this with all my heart? You know? And, <laughs> and, yes. and it's, it's like this sense, like you got to keep this thing stoked up and, and, and at some point it, it just doesn't, it, it, it feels like it's all relying on you. Whereas it is. walking through the world with open hands, with like, Yep. God, I'm going to trust my life to you. Like I, you you're less of a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, you, you are. can you can listen to other people who are different from you. You, yep. you you know you're just in a different posture. You are. And when you encounter people like that, I think that's one thing that's made a huge impact over me on me over the years. It's like, you know, I I was told that you know, all people from, you know, that are atheist or agnostics or uh, Muslims or gay or what whatever. I was always told like, yes. they're, like like they're they're you know and you get around some and yeah, there's there's jerks of all kinds, of all stripes. So I don't want to like, you know, swing to the other side. But you right. you know, you encounter some people that really challenge your your stereotype and you're like, no, like this person is living in trust and humility yep. and yep. a lot better than most Christians that I know. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's uh I, I think there is a sense of if there is a God, and God is at work in the world, um yeah, it's 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 quite arrogant to think that I, I can I can make all this stuff happen. The best I can do is just stick up a sail, or you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, you know, totally. The spirit carried, but yeah.
1: But you know, I think though, yeah, we in church are taught to like put a fan behind the <laughs> sail yeah that's right (laughs) get that thing moving you know yep and uh, I'm just tired of it you know I just want to like I need peace in my life and there was not peace doing that right and it's amazing like how many things just fall in your lap when you're just I think trusting like you said that's that really is should be the word yeah it really should be and uh it's weird because uh there's all like doing this movie there was all these things that have like fallen into place just out of the blue like wasn't trying and uh which is crazy and also then all these weird things like not to spoil the movie at all cuz one day we'll get it out there but hopefully <laughs> <laughs> um um, so you've already got an IMDb page, so like you yes, hey, that's right. <laughs> um, like there's a lot of nun imagery in this movie, and um, there's also a lot of a Little Red Riding Hood imagery in mm. the movie, just kind of subtle things. And so, like for instance, I got on Facebook, and you know, just being an artist, have a lot of artist friends, and mm-hmm. I said, if anybody has. Uh, little Red Riding Hood illustration. I'm looking to make like a book that will carry around, like you know, just the cover. And I made like a fake book with blank pages yeah. in it that'll be Little Red Riding Hood book um, that you just might see every once in a while. And so I ended up using some public domain image for the for the pic for the picture of the book because it really didn't matter. But yeah, so um, I have an artist. I I asked my artist friends on Facebook. Um, if anybody had like a little Red Riding Hood illustration, and um, so I have a lot of a lot of artist friends on Facebook because being an artist, I'm always trying to to um, network. And I hadn't really put; I'd only given the script out to the people that were in the in the movie, and the cast and crew and stuff. And this girl, uh, Beth McCurdy, uh, sends me a message says, "I got something," and I i honestly had never like even talked to her before i have no idea who she is uh not really i mean but i knew she was an artist she was really cool um um, and she sends me this picture of of little red riding hood but it looks like she's it's a red nun habit oh wow it looks like a nun with but the outfit is red instead of instead of black and i was like holy shit (laughs) this is weird. Wow. And, um, and then the, uh, place where the main character, uh, Elysia is, her apartment is a friend of mine and she hadn't read the script, but she let us graciously let us use her apartment. And I was looking up the apartment to like get addresses from everything. And, uh, and it came up some like, Oh no, 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 Well, was was that what it was? Anyway, looked up the apartment, and it ended up being this old convent. It was a nun convent. Get out. Which is really strange. Wow, what a trip! Yeah, so there was, and there's other things as well that yeah. I would would spoil the movie. But there was all sorts of weird things that are just like little like, is is maybe God in the middle of this? Is yeah. like like synchronicities that are very strange. And so uh, it's just weird. It's like, I think that for me, at least, like if you just let go and just, yeah, just trust is, is a great way to say it. Like you said, but if you just like get in the raft and float down the stream, it's just amazing what happens. Yeah. You know, but anyway, that's That's cool. That's cool.
0: (laughs) Well, is is there? A, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up here. Is there sure. any uh, advice you'd offer to artists, creative types, and uh, mm. you know who who want to kind of go down that road for yeah. to be a, a professional?
1: Um, I just said about floating on the stream, and I'm going to say something probably opposite. If you're okay. going to like, <laughs> if you're going to get into it, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of like putting in your time in, in some ways, and it's. You know, I spent, I spent like eight years, eight or nine years trying to like break into the like, like top level publishing world, mainly with comics and never could break in. And I realized that it was, it's so much of it is like luck. Yeah. And so much of it is just right place, right time. Like there's guys that have been doing this for 20 years and and they've been working their ass off yeah, and not getting anywhere and there's guys and it's not because they're not as talented it just just for some reason they, the stars didn't align yeah. and then there's guys that work there you know have been getting into it for six months and they're like <laughs> like doing everything everybody wanted you know, to yeah. do and uh, and they're not any more talented Yeah, like they're it's not like they're doing something better than the other guys and It's all, like, I mean, there's nepotism everywhere. It's all, like, who you're sleeping with sometimes, you know. It's all, like, you know. I mean, I see people, you know, get into, like, higher positions just because they're married to, like, someone famous, you know. That doesn't hurt. No, not at (laughs) all. So um, when it comes down to it, if you want to, like, do art or any sort of creative field, any sort of creative field, really, I think the biggest thing that I could say, if I could like go back and tell myself is please just try not to make anyone happy with your art. Wow. Like be as yourself as possible. Yeah. But do it. You're going to have to do it a lot. You're going to have to make as much art as possible. You're going to have to get out there and promote yourself as much as possible. Because the more you make, the more you do, the more you promote. It's basically like every time you do that, you're buying a lottery ticket. So if you buy one lottery ticket, right. then you probably won't win the lottery. But if you're the, if you're like always out there buying lottery tickets, then one day you're going to hit the jackpot. Or maybe not. You so might kids, do
0: it. Go out there and buy some tickets. Today.
1: <laughs> so you could do that. You yep. could buy lottery tickets all the time, and you may never win the lottery. Yeah. And that's basically the same as as it is at least with creative success because that's all I've really uh like been in the field in um as far as like the creative industry is um is just the more you work at it, the more chances you have for success, but it yeah. doesn't mean that you're ever gonna have success yeah. and I think that's like a big deal and and another thing is too is that um learn to live. A, a meager lifestyle yeah and uh you'll be much happier yeah you'll be able to do what you love you could either go work some shitty jobs so you can get a brand new car and you can have all the cable you want and all that shit or you can have a used car and no cable and live in a smaller house and and do what you love so you yeah. can either have shitty job and have all the crap you want yeah or do what you love and live Live within your means. Yeah, if you can live within your means, you can do anything you want with your life. Yeah, especially living in in America or any sort of country like this in Slidell. Uh Yeah, you know, like so many people want to live in New Orleans, and so they're going to pay like four times the amount. Yeah, and like oh, or I could live twenty minutes outside the city, and actually like be able to do what you love. Yeah, you know, and so. So
0: I think that's huge. I think another question that comes up is how how do you define success?
1: Paying my bills. Paying your bills. Okay, cool. That's exactly how I think. That's exactly how everyone should define success. <laughs> yeah. If you're able <laughs> to like to live off of what you love, then you have succeeded. Yeah, I think any that's a great way to look at it. Any more than that, you're gonna you're not gonna be a happy person, you know. If, if you can do that, and then any more than that, it should just be like icing on the cake. Yeah. You know? Um, most people define success as, I finally got published by Marvel, or I finally got, like, a, a gold record, or I yeah. finally... And, like, oh, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. Because once yeah. you get to that place, and you're going to, like, oh, now I've got to get a platinum right. record, or I've yeah. got to do <laughs> this, or i got to... And, like, oh, that you're miserable. Like, yeah. it, like, I don't even want to be around you. Because <laughs> that's not... That's, like, for me, that's just greedy. Like, if I can, like, make art. If I can, like, working on this movie, basically save money and I'm making the movie. For me, that's success is making the movie and, like, putting it out in festivals. You know, for most people, that would not be success. Yeah, That would be, like... um, So, for most people, it is making a movie that will get uh, uh, with a big studio yeah. so that they can um, m- basically become a successful director. Okay, here's the problem with that for me is that for you to do that, you have to make so many compromises that yeah. all you're doing is being a cog in the wheel to create a piece of shit for people to rent... <laughs> Like, out of Redbox. Right. Right? For me, success is going, I have this thing inside of me that I want to create. And at the end, it's created. And then a whole, maybe hundreds or thousands of people get to see it. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But most people, for them, they want to be that cog in the wheel so that they can, I don't know, buy a freaking bigger boat. Yeah. Like... Who cares that? Who cares? Yeah. For me, I don't care. Yeah. You know. So success is pain. There's an bills. awful lot of people do who do care about. That they part. do. <laughs> That's very true.
0: So, but, just on a slightly different note, on your on your
1: movie, what, yeah.
0: um Like, what's the budget on this thing?
1: I. Th- Saved up about four thousand dollars. Wow, which is crazy. Yeah, which is not much at Are all. Are you trying to do any crowdfunding beyond that, or is it just uh, you're gonna? You know, you I've done see. so many Kickstarters yeah. that it is a whole job. It's a whole like, it's a whole like full time job just to do the Kickstarter. It is. It is. And and then you have to like give everybody their rewards afterwards. It's exhausting. Said, now I'm done. I'm done. I did five of them. Yeah, or four of them, four or five. For successful, and I'm just like, I don't ever want to do that again. I save up some money. Um, most of the people doing it are doing it um, like for some court, sort of like either voluntarily that are working on the movie. It's a passion project, they know it's a passion project. Yeah. And so, uh, if it wasn't going to be, if I couldn't get everybody together, I wasn't going to do it. But yeah it was one of these like stars aligned sort of things yeah. where it was like people wanted to do it and they got to get, they, they, they got behind it and they want to do it. Now saying that we're filming in two days. So the whole thing could explode and like, we'll m- come back and know. do a up Right. in exactly. A few months after <laughs> I've lost all my hair. Yeah, exactly. But so that's what I'm saying. Like, like, and I, I totally try to live by that idea where, like what James said, like, um, don't say that you're going to do this and that <laughs> say the Lord wills yeah. <laughs> because our life is like a vapor. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to keep that in mind makes everything a lot more, you are a lot more grateful. Yeah. You know, if we, if I can just get this made, it'll be wonderful. And then after that, if I can get it into festivals, that'll be wonderful. Um, You know, and so it's just, and it's also one bite at a time. I'm going to eat this cow. I'm going to eat this cow one bite at a time. And the bite now that I have is to actually film the movie. And then the next bite will be to edit the movie. Yeah. So I'm at the, at the filming part. Yeah. And I'm happy to be here. That's exciting, man. Yeah.
0: So if if people want to find some of your art or or kind of follow what you're doing, uh, where's the best place to do that?
1: Well, they can go to my blog, my art blog, Joe Badon, J-O-E, B-A-D-O-N, JoeBadon.blogspot.com. That's where okay. I post all my art. They can uh, uh, friend me or follow me on Facebook. Just look up my name, JoeBadon. Um, or Twitter, look up my name, JoeBadon. Or Instagram. Um, I post on those three yeah. uh, f- fairly regularly. Facebook more than anything. Yeah, And um, you can go to, if you look up God Inside My Ear on facebook we have a facebook page and then if you search for it on imdb we have an imdb page and i try to update the facebook page regularly with new props yeah and new like shots like that from actors or whatever you know so cool
0: i'm excited to i'm excited to see how this thing works out very uh, excited it's you know in the in the short time that i've known you it's 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 been neat to kind of see just uh all the little things you're getting into and, and yeah and, and see how you're succeeding at that that's yeah. uh, always an inspiration i think to any creative types to just see people who are, <laughs> who are actually yeah. paying the bills and, and that so yeah absolutely thank you I, I guess that's about
1: it this is uh this is the first interview so thanks for uh, putting up with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm happy to do it i love you man
0: thanks for listening to this first episode of extra crispy, hopefully the first of many episodes. I can't think of a better guest to go ahead and kick this off and jump it on. I really enjoyed this interview myself. Extra crispy is produced by myself and all the music that you hear on this podcast is original compositions, which can be found uh, often with words (laughs) on various locations from Spotify to iTunes. The instrumental track of Piano Stuff is also located on SoundCloud that you can check out. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and tell a friend. And until next time, may all your conversations be extra crispy.